Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Denisa Perry, an Argentinian-born filmmaker who graduated from NYU with a BA in psychology, went on to do graduate work in film criticism at NYU and film production at UCLA. She later studied spiritual psychology at the University of Santa Monica, which I think was the background to Denise's documentary, Awaken Soul to Soul. This documentary features nine prominent visionaries and some incredible cinematography. So, Denise, welcome to NCR. Thank you so much, Miriam. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What brought you from Argentina? Oh, I came uh, as a as a as a baby. My parents moved here when I was young. Ah, rather yes. like me. I came as a five-year-old from Venezuela. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was one when I moved from Argentina. Uh huh. Very good. So, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in New York, actually. That's why I ended up going to college at NYU. Uh huh. Right. And. Um, Tell us a bit about your spiritual path, because not every filmmaker goes into spiritual filmmaking. Okay. Um, well, I'll, it kind of uh, bleeds into the reason, you know, my, my vision for creating this film. As you mentioned in my bio, I had studied um, psychology, and I also studied uh, filmmaking at NYU. And I always had the vision. Uh, my original vision was to film psychologists, uh, close up, looking uh, straight through the lens of the camera at the viewer to simulate the experience of being uh, a client in a in a therapeutic session, because I felt that it, it takes the same amount of time to heal and uplift uh, one patient as it could to heal and uplift you know thousands of people watching the video. So that was my original uh, vision: is to get the healing out to the masses, make it affordable for everyone, not just people who can ha- you know afford you know hundred dollars a session or whatever. My intention was always to make uh, you know, healing accessible to, to more people. Then as I, uh, you know, uh, in my personal path, I became, uh, actually my, my first teacher was, uh, Gil Miguel Reese. Um, I was with him back in the early nineties before he was well known, before he had written any books. And I realized that just by being in his presence kind of moved me to an altered state of consciousness. Um, and I realized that there was something beyond his teachings. It was his presence that was what was helping me to, to evolve, to expand in my consciousness. So my, my, my original vision of filming therapists evolved into filming sages or teachers because of the you know, frequency or energy that they're carrying. Just by being in the presence, it, it's got uh, the potential to uplift you um, beyond words. So that's why I shot my film in the way that it is uh, uh, close up and uh, looking straight through the lens of the camera because um, by being in the presence of, of Sage or someone who's somewhat enlightened, uh, your, their energy uplifts you. So th- that's how my vision evolved. The title of the film is Awaken Soul to Soul. What does the word awaken mean to you? Okay, awakening is basically a process that a lot of us are going through. As mentioned in the film, there's a major galactic alignment that most people are aware of now on December 21st. And because of the position of of Earth in relationship to the galaxy and the central sun and all the planetary bodies around us, the electromagnetism of the Earth has intensified. And so we're feeling that 
it's affecting the sun, there's more solar flares, and that's affecting us on a cellular level. Just like we're affected when there's a full moon, we're affected by all the planetary bodies around us and the intensification of uh, the electromagnetism. So it's causing a shift in our consciousness. And we're basically, we're, we're gaining access to that 90% of our brain that we're not, we haven't currently had access to. So my understanding of the awakening is the con our consciousness is being expanded, so we're being able to access more of our psychic abilities, our intuition, our, uh, our perception of time has changed from linear time into um, being predominantly in the present moment. Um, a lot of the stress and the angst uh, has been lifted uh, over these past couple of months. Uh, first it was intensified and then there was like a, a purging that we went through and now I'm feeling we're moving more into a, an energy of, of peace. What, what the film is talking about is in the same way that the earth has been going through major changes with all the uh, catastrophes and tsunamis and earthquakes and all that, we've also been going through a major upheaval internally. Um, the, and the global crisis is basically indicative of, of our inner crisis. So um, there's, it's like a, 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 a grand plan, so to speak, to kind of purge us past all of our fears, anxieties, uh, doubts, insecurities, and moving us into this greater realm, which is basically our essence and extended consciousness that's beyond fear, and basically to allow us to um, permeate in, in the awareness of, of love and oneness. So it's kind of, as, as Jesus said, being in this world but not of it. Uh, the awareness is that we're going to obviously continue to be in this, you know, on the earth, but with a, a more expanded consciousness. Mm -hmm. Tell us about some of the sages that you selected. Uh, there were nine of them, uh, really, many of them very well known to, uh, certainly to me. Um, how did you come to connect with them? Well, interestingly enough, they all turned out to be a friend of a friend, which I didn't know this when I first had the idea to make the film, because when I started out, the only uh, well-known sage I knew was, was Don Miguel. He had been my teacher. But it turned out just, just uh, sharing with my friends about what I was doing, you know, they say, oh, you have to meet so-and-so, they're a friend of mine, or they were my teacher, or my friend was their student, or whatever, and it all ended up being uh, through, through friends or acquaintances, interestingly enough. And what my original vision was is to have a variety of teachers from all the different spiritual backgrounds, and what I found was that they all basically were bringing forth the same information about the significance of this time that we're living in and about humanity awakening, uh, which I didn't know before I made the film. So it's kind of interesting that all the spiritual backgrounds had some awareness about the significance of this time we're living in. So did you call the, the film Awaken after you had already shot the footage? Uh, well, the, I, I believe the original name I had for the film was uh, Transcendence. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, I realized that, you know, Awaken would be a simpler uh, name and easier to remember, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the soul-to-soul -soul part of it was, you know, the way that it's shot, you're basically seeing soul-to-soul -soul with the sage. Right. You know, there's a saying that says, the eyes are the road to the soul. So when you gaze at each other through the eyes in that direct way, there's an energetic, there's, um, that's a, that, there's a connection that's established between your higher self and the higher self of the sage. In that connection, you're elevated into that level of, of awareness. So that's why um, the Soul to Soul came into the title. It's interesting. There's a Croatian uh, healer by the name of Brazzo who yes. um, 
does nothing but gaze at the people in the audience. And there have been reports of remarkable healings as a result. Exactly. So there's certainly something to what you say. Exactly. Actually, my original vision was to film the sages um, just gazing through the lens of the camera, the viewer. Um, and then I realized that would be maybe a little bit too disturbing for most people uh, and decided to, you know, go ahead and, and uh, have them speak as well. But, yeah, the thrust of the film is basically the gazing. So, And I was thrilled when I found out recently that, that Broxville started doing the same thing because, you know, it's kind of like a hard concept to, to convey to someone who's not familiar with you know, the, the potential of this kind of connection. Mm. It reminds me also of a, a young artist um, by the name, her, her last name is Kramarik. Uh -huh. uh, she started painting at the age of four uh -huh. and the most incredible paintings. And she, she said in my interview with her that she starts with the eyes exactly because of what you said, because the eyes are the window to the soul. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and what's interesting also, <clears throat> talking about the eyes and stuff, in, in this society, as you know, we both come from South America, it's a different concept there. As children in, in the States are taught, don't stare, it's rude to stare. And so as, as you know, children were have this kind of taboo about eye contact. And so when someone is gazing at you or, you know, looking into your eyes, it, it feels uncomfortable because we're not used to it. In South America and Europe and other parts of the world, we're encouraged to connect with each other in the eyes. You walk into a restaurant, everybody turns around and looks in the eyes. You walk into a plane, everybody looks up at you as you pass the aisles. Here, it's, you know, every, you walk in and everybody turns away. And I feel that that's so... Um, <clears throat> It's kind of like deprives us of what we're longing for because everybody's longing for more, more connection, more soul, more love, more intimacy, and the way that we share that with each other is through, through the eyes. Um, so I think that's. Um, I hope that eventually that will change because I know that there is a longing. You know, I grew up here. I know that there's a longing for people to have more connection, more, more love, more intimacy with each other. It makes life so, so much fuller. Yeah, I totally agree, uh, especially about the difference between uh, Latin America and Europe and the state, uh, with the one exception of England, of course, um, <laughs> because the it's not just the, the gazing and the eye contact, it's also physical contact, it's hugging, right. it's kissing, and, yes. and it's a much freer exchange between individuals, so... I yes. totally second your message. Yeah. So tell me, how, how relevant is the whole Mayan calendar thing now, do you think? Sorry, can you repeat the question? How relevant is the whole notion of the <clears throat> galactic alignment, the, the December 2012 uh, Mayan calendar restart? To oh, I think it's... It's, yes, I think it's very significant because um, on a personal level, I'm, I'm totally beginning to feel the shift. And I was just sharing with a friend today that um, in addition to, to making this film about awakening, you know, the, the, the original, my original intention wasn't just to talk about awakening. It's to actually bring the viewer through that experience as they view the film. So it's basically the viewer goes through a, a kind of a cathartic process if they're open to that. Um, where, you know, at first you feel a little bit uncomfortable about the intimacy of the way that it's filmed. Um, maybe it's too, uh, you know, up close and personal for some people. And then it's like as you get used to 
the way that it's shot, and then you kind of like allow yourself to be okay with it and open to the teachers, it's like you expand and you move into this, this place of trust, of love, and oneness, which is basically the process that we're moving through as a collective. We're letting go of the fear, we're letting go of the separation, and we're moving into this realm of being comfortable in, in, in being open and, and, um, and, and experiencing that, the intimacy of oneness. And I was sharing also that personally I, I've also been through the process myself, so not just talking about how the film talks about the, the fear is going to be more intense, it's going to come up, it's going to kind of purge through us, because beyond the fear there's love. So I also went through that with all the, you know, crisis of, of last year and the economic crisis, the housing crisis, everybody losing a job, relationships falling apart, everybody I know had one of those things happen, and most of the, my friends had all of the above. So we've <laughs> all been through this collective kind of purge, I mean, people getting sick, getting cancer, you know, everybody's been through this, like, mass uh, fear uh, that, that we went through. It's kind of like a panic attack. Uh, you're okay, and then, oh, there's something else to freak out about. And, like, the energy would just kind of flush through us because we've been releasing the fear as a collective. And that's why these incidents are still continuing to happen because it's kind of like those of us who are on the path and awakening, those are, like, uh, kind of washing away the last remnants of that fear. And we're moving into a place of trust, and knowing that, you know, we're protected and it's, it's all part of the grand plan, you see. But um, you have to purge yourself past that fear in order to experience it. It's almost like the planet or society in general is having like a fever, a healing crisis where you have to get worse before you can get better. Exactly. It's, a, it's a, like a mass, a mass cathartic experience that we're going through. Mm-hmm. And like they say, it's always darkest, uh, you know, um, before the, the light, you know. Um, and so we're at that place. Now, we've been going through that place where all the, you know, the, the darkness and the fears and the everything falling apart kind of feeling was coming to the surface. And now it's like we're starting to move beyond that. And remember, we've just finished a 26,000-year cycle, a 5,125-year cycle, and a 2,000-year cycle of Pisces beginning the 2,000 years of Aquarius. But we're just like a couple of months in. So I, I think a lot of people have the, the misconception that it's like December 22nd would be a brand new glorious world, and it's not like that. It's, we're just taking baby steps into that. But I'm feeling like already <clears throat> a lot of us are starting to already feel those waves of bliss kind of wash through us, already beginning to feel more of a detachment to the mundane everyday life kind of stuff, the, not sweating the small stuff. This is all you know, indicative of, of, the, of the energy and the, the process that we've been through. It's like we're over the storm, so to speak. You alternate um, bits with your teachers, your sages, with some of the most glorious um, natural footage that I've ever seen. Um, what was your purpose in doing that, and where on earth did you get such beautiful scenery? Thank you. Actually, it was uh, stock footage that I got online. Um, maybe in my next film I'll be able to actually rent a helicopter, but yeah, that was, that was pushed online. <clears throat> and the idea was, <clears throat> because the film was shot in that way, and, you know, one-on-one, you know, gazing into the eyes, you need a, a break, you know, you need time to kind of integrate the information and the wisdom and the energy too. So the scenes of nature were, were always part of my vision to simulate the experience of soul flight. So it's like you, you, you connect. You get the information, you get the wisdom, you get the energy, and then it's like, okay, let me, let me digest this, let me process this, 
and fly with, with music and nature to kind of like bring it in. And then you, you come back and you get some more and then you go fly out again because that's basically what we're doing here anyway. You know, we come, as you know, it's a school, so we, le we learn something, we get a bit, and we go to sleep, go fly out in the universe, come back and do a little bit more, you know. So that's basically, uh, you know, what our souls do anyway. So you get some information, you go fly, and then you come back. Mm -hmm. So let's focus down on some of the teachers. Uh, who was the first teacher that you filmed? Uh, the first teacher was uh, Shaman Bonnie Saratori. And what was her message? Uh, she was the, the, the woman, the blonde woman at the beginning of the film. Um, basically, she was sharing that about the, uh, the crisis that we're in is basically uh, an initiation and that the energy that's present on the planet is kind of simulating uh, the experience that we had as initiates in Egypt where, uh, you know, all those temples were set up to, to basically move us through our fears. And she was um, sharing how what's happening planetarily um, is basically simulating that experience so that we can purge past our fears. So instead of having to actually go to Egypt and, you know, live in a, as an initiate in a temple, just you're experiencing these waves of fear, you know, from your home. And so, but on a grander scale, it's all kind of like a grand plan that is kind of like helping humanity as a whole to awaken. You know, back in thousands of years ago, it wasn't, this energy wasn't prevalent throughout the world. You have to, like, go to these uh, power spots, so to speak, and, and live in the area where the energy was more intense to get these same kind of uh, energetic waves. Now it's happening globally because of the positioning of, of the Earth in relation to the, the galaxy. Mm-hmm, mm hmm Well, John Major Jenkins has written a lot about power spots and things like that. What were you, what was in your mind when you approached him? Uh, it's interesting with John because um, we have we have a very strong soul connection. And the first time that I met him, I picked him up at the airport. He's like, we've met before. And I'm like, yeah, not in this lifetime. And he's like, no, 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 I know you from someone. He was, he was like trying to place me the whole time, you know. <clears throat> we were together, and he, he finally realized it wasn't from here, from this time and place. But uh, it's kind of interesting. We're also actually from the same year, so we're the same age. My connection with him is because I thought that it was important to have somebody more from a scientific background. Uh, all the other teachers are more uh, spiritual teachers, and he's, you know, got the actually scientific data and stuff. And plus, he's got a really good balance between the data and also his uh, personal, uh, you know, spiritual knowledge and his own personal path of, you know, his own uh, mm -hmm. studies. Well, certainly uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, who you also have in the film, has a, a very uh, esteemed scientific background. Oh, that's true, yes. But she wasn't bringing so much to science uh, in the interview itself. It, wasn't, it was more, you know, uh, general than mm -hmm. specific. Yeah, I, I she actually uh, concluded the film with a very nice uh, statement. She said one, her vision was one planetary peaceful culture that is the beginning and not the ending. Yes. Yeah, it was a very engaging and optimistic ending. So um, you have two Buddhists. You have an American Buddhist and a Tibetan Buddhist. Um, yes. what, uh, what was the difference between their two perspectives, in your view? Uh, you know, obviously, Robert Thurman's coming more from the uh, uh, kind of American uh, take on, the, uh, on Buddhism, which I think it's great. It's very accessible. 
and uh, Tuku Lama, <coughs> Lama Tuku Rinpoche is coming more from, you know, the traditional uh, Buddhist, so to speak, Tibetan uh, background. But, uh, you know, I think the, the information, the, the presence is both uh, very uplifting, very loving, very expansive. Robert Thurman um, talked a lot about death. The reality of death is lack of control of your environment, but there is a continuity. Um, I think we as a society are so afraid of death, afraid of talking of death, and yet nowadays so many people are having near-death experiences and coming out with them that it's time for us to totally revise our notion of what death is. Yes, that's true. And also, Bonnie was sharing the same thing about the, the ultimate, our ultimate fear is fear of death. And she was sharing that we're in, the, in truth, is we're eternal. Same thing with the, the, the Lama from Tibet was sharing how you know, the importance that everybody is. They might have been your mother, your father, your sister. Obviously, he's talking about past lives. Part of the awakening is the realization of our past lives. The me our memories of past lives are going to be coming to the surface. I myself have experienced where just recently where I meet people and I also I get a flash. This has never happened to me before. I got a flash of where I was with them in, in the last lifetime we're together, which is really interesting. Um, but I, I believe that more and more we're going to start having access to our memories. Our memories are not going to, you know, begin uh, upon our birth, they're going to go, be, we'll have access to, to gain, to remember, you know, thousands of years back. And the benefit of, of that is that you can see, like, who you are today is a result, not just of this lifetime, but of all the different lifetimes you've had. Once you're aware of, of, of past lives and you know that to be true, then it kind of minimizes the fear of death because you realize that, you know, you just drop the body and you go get a new one. It's, it takes kind of the edge off. And that's also part of uh, being free. Once you overcome your fear of death, there's ultimately, you know, no fear kind of even comes close to that. And um, that's part of the, the experience of liberation. Mm -hmm. it's, it's tapping into our eternal self that knows, you know, we've always been here and, and we'll always be around. Yes, we seem to be so much driven by fear in every aspect of our lives, uh, which is obviously reinforced by our external environment, um, that moving into love can be a great challenge. And yet this is the message of all of the teachers. Um, I was interested that you had Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. Um, I, I think he's just a lovely, lovely spiritual teacher. And he, perhaps uh, of, of all of the teachers, he and Don Miguel have this sweetness, this this absolute essence of love that really comes through the film. Yeah. Have you ever studied with uh, Sri Sri? Yes, I did. I studied uh, at the Art of Living. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yes, I took the class. It's, yeah, it was great. And basically, uh, talking about uh, living beyond fear. Um, in addition to the film, we shot meditation with each of the teachers to actually take you through the process of moving beyond your fear, of moving beyond the separated, your separated ego into that expanded state of oneness, into your higher self. So that was basically the intention that I gave to each of the teachers uh, to please guide the viewer to the experiential state of oneness. So the film is basically the bouncing board 
for what comes next, which are the meditations, because I didn't want to leave people feeling like, okay, great, uh, I need to overcome my fear, but how do I do it? You know, I'm still, it's still here. So the films actually, the, sorry, the meditations actually take you, whether it be through doing breath work with Tree Shri or um, the emotional clearing, you know, core emotional clearing, Bonnie Territory does an amazing uh, meditation, bringing in the spirit of your mom and dad, doing that core childhood wounding clearing, um, DNA activation. I mean, whatever it takes to kind of like move that pain and that fear uh, and the sadness through you so that you can experience, you know, your inner essence of love. Mm -hmm. And how will those be available? We're going to have those available online, hopefully within the, the next coming months as well. Uh, for our listeners, tell us where online they should go. It's uh, awakensoultosoul.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. We will remind you at the end, but uh, awakensoultosoul.com. Okay. Um, so did you have, what of these various traditions are you personally most drawn to? Oh, it's interesting. I'm not drawn to any particular tradition, per se. That's why I wanted to have a variety of different backgrounds on the film. For me, it, it, it doesn't matter how you get there. It's that you get there. And I, I believe that uh, whatever spiritual path you're drawn to is, you know, is great, or you, know, you don't necessarily, in my opinion, have to follow one particular path. You know, because we all are that essence. Being with different teachers is basically just an opportunity to, to re-experience that, to remember you know, the, the, the wisdom and the awareness that we already have. Mm -hmm. I, I believe it, that all, all the different spiritual paths are, are useful and beneficial to help awaken us. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, and different people will resonate with different ones. So I think from that point of view, it's wonderful to have a, um, a selection. Um, I see you have two uh, Toltec teachers. You have Rita Rivera Fox and Don Miguel Ruiz. So um, you started your own spiritual path by studying with Don Miguel. What initially drew you to him? Oh, it's interesting. Um, this is kind of my, my story. Um, I was in uh, Miami at the time, uh, and just getting over uh, separation of, from marriage, my, my partner ended up uh, leaving, and I was uh, completely distraught. And um, I ended up going to, um, I was like seeking assistance from people, and I, I came across this woman who was kind of like a seer, and she said to me, you're going to meet this man, and he's going to invite you to go on a trip. You need to go. And I said, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> and a couple of days later, I bumped into a, a guy that had a restaurant here in Miami, and he's like, I'm moving to Santa Fe, New Mexico. You should come visit. I'm like, uh, when are you leaving? He's like, I'm going tomorrow. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, my God, is that the one? And I called the woman. She's like, yes, sir, you have to go. And then I called him. I'm like, um, when, when are you going to be there? How long? And when I got there, he said, you have to meet the shaman. And I said, who is it? And he said, his name is Domingo Reese, and he's teaching you know, about uh, uh, the Toltec wisdom and stuff. And I went and it was Don Miguel, and it was in a, a little gathering in, in a house in Santa Fe, and there was just like 10 people sitting around, you know, with a fireplace on, and, and that's where my first connection with Don Miguel. He, he, he immediately got up, gave me a big hug, <laughs> and said, welcome. That was, that was the beginning of my, my spiritual journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so interesting... Uh, I'm uh, currently uh, writing a book about different um, moments or experiences of awakening. Uh, uh -huh. And 
the variety is absolutely as endless as the variety of humanity. Uh-huh. Uh, and as you say, all of these experiences are intended to bring us to the same end point. Um, so, uh, what, what is next for you, Denisa? Oh, okay. What's next? Well, my, my original vision, uh, in addition to the film, is to have, like, weekly webcasts where you can basically sit with a teacher, um, and it's, you know, be kind of like a live kind of thing where you say, okay, this week we've had, you know, this wave's coming in, you might be feeling this or feeling that, or, you know, kind of like, it, make it more accessible. So, again, going back to my original vision is to make this kind of, uh, help, you know, an upliftment available to more and more people and uh, at a minimal cost. So that, that was, that's my vision in addition to that, to offer more workshops, uh, hopefully to be able to create uh, more films as well. So, Do you have any ideas for another film? I've got a couple of, of more ideas. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there's so much to cover, you know, about why we're here. Making a film is quite an undertaking, um, and you know, not cheap either. Uh, how, how did you get backing for this film? Actually, I, I personally financed this project. Mm-hmm. Well done. And um, tell us about the music to the film, because we're going to be hearing a soundtrack from it uh, later on. Okay. The, the, the soundtrack that accompanies the film is called Cave, and it was composed by a Russian composer by the name of Gennady. And, um, again, it's a basically world music uh, fusion CD, and um, so we've got Hopi's uh, chanting with a backbeat to it. We've got Indian sitar uh, with a backbeat, uh, Peruvian flute music, um, Lama's chanting. Uh, what else? So something I can... Uh, North American, yeah. So basically, all the different uh, traditions that are covered in the film are represented uh, in the soundtrack by their music. And in two of the tracks, two of the Hopi tracks are actually, actually featuring Madonna's lead guitar player, uh, Monty Pittman, in those two, two tracks. So mm-hmm. it's really good, uh, good, great music, kind of similar to Budabar. And you can also hear that uh, on our um, website, awakensoultosoul.com. And the the CD is going to be available on your website as well? Yeah, it's currently available through our website and uh, through iTunes. Mm-hmm. And it's called Cave? Cave, yes. C-A-V-E, yeah? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, um, I'm... Uh, I just got a glimpse of it this morning, and it sounds lovely. Um, well... I think that we have um, a few minutes left. Uh, tell us about your um, workshops. What do you hope to convey? Again, all of the workshops that I'm hoping to, to create with the teachers are to bring the participants, again, into that experiential state of oneness, to, to feel that, that state of awakening. So, again, to take it out of a, the, a mental concept and to bring it into a personal experience. So the idea is that you would bring some of these teachers into the workshop and then you would be the facilitator? No, I would be supporting the teachers who Mm -hmm. would bring the participants through a process 
um, a therapeutic process where they can experience uh, that state themselves. Mm -hmm. Are you still doing any of your psychology? Um, well, I'm doing, you know, personally, uh, I help friends and things. Uh, I also have, it's interesting that you mentioned it because in the process of making the film and working with the teachers and experiencing their workshops and uh, teachings, it's actually, again, as mentioned uh, before, it's expanded my own consciousness. So my own uh, kind of psychic abilities, intuition, knowing has expanded. So literally my friends will call me, like, call me up and say, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? <laughs> you know, or I just met this person. What do you think? You know, and all of a sudden it's like I get like this download of, uh, you know, of information, of knowing. And again, thanks to, to the workshops and the classes that I've taken with, the, with some of the teachers in the film. So again, it's like uh, I'm my own guinea pig, you know, uh, about uh, the power of their work because it, it does work, you know. Uh. Well, being your own guinea pig, I, I think Don Miguel puts it rather more beautifully, saying yeah, you're the artist of your life rather than the guinea pig. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but at least I know that it, I wouldn't be promoting it if I didn't know that it worked, you know. So. It's interesting um, that you're taking this kind of analytical approach to your own kind of conscious awakening. Um, have you found certain techniques that work better than others? Uh, with the teacher, one of the most uh, believed, the most powerful teachers that we have on the film is Chairman Bonnie Saratori. I got the most benefit from her workshops because it is so profound, so deep, and again, it's, it's so experiential. Um, on so many different levels in terms of uh, clearing energy and uh, having access to, you know, memories from other times and places and uh, clearing you, you know, energetically from, from, you know, energies or, you know, that no longer serve you. I mean, it's really profound work. And uh, I'm literally a different person I am today than I was when I started the film seven years ago. It's been a really uh, impressive uh, transformation. People sometimes have a bit of a misconception of shamanism. Um, how would you define it in your experience? Shamanism is basically the ability to work with energy, to move energy and clear energy from, from, the, from the person or from a situation. I believe that in truth, everything is energy. You know, not, I'm not the first person to say it, but everything is alive and everything is energy. And I believe that we're a lot more powerful than we believe. And once you tap into your power and you're, you, you know that you have the ability to move things, uh, you can. It's like, again, we all have that ability within, within ourselves. It's that 90% of the brain that most people don't have access to. But more and more, we're, we're having access to that. And imagine a world where everybody would immediately recognize each other you know, the first time they meet, uh, would uh, have access to what the other person is thinking, the other person's intention. <laughs> I mean, um, think about investing in a business and immediately knowing whether it's going to be successful or not. I mean, these are all abilities that we'll, we're gaining access to. Uh, uh, the exp having the experiential state of, of peace, love, and oneness within, uh, you know, um, as, on, a, on a daily basis. That's what they're talking about when they say heaven on earth. In other words, the frame, which Don Miguel talked about, the frame stays the same. You know, the buildings are going to still be around, the trees are going to be, still be around, but our consciousness, our way of relating to it is going to be so different that it's going to be another world. 
it's another uh, it's experiencing another reality within this reality that's what that's what the awakening is mm -hmm. and consciousness is really another term for thought isn't it yes thought, the thought also tends to uh, be linked with the mind I believe that consciousness is an awareness beyond the thought, beyond the mind. It's a, it's a knowing. It's a feeling more than a, a thought. So would you say that the thought is kind of the intermediary or the messenger between the consciousness and the mind? Yes. Yes. I believe that the mind uh, kind of uh, dwells in, in, in thoughts. And I believe that consciousness is beyond thought. It's more of a a subtle, like a sensation, uh, it's um, the feeling, you know, it's, it's pure awareness. So it's, um, it's, and also thoughts kind of are um, connected with a linear time um, and, and take time to manifest. And when you move into a pure consciousness, it's instant manifestation. It's kind of like when you're having a dream and you, you dream, okay, I want to be in Paris and boom, you're there. So that's basically when you're, when you're dreaming, you're in that soul consciousness. Everything is immediate. Everything is present. And when you're in soul consciousness, you're, you're in that realm. And once you enter that realm of being uh, kind of like in, in pure presence, it's so, it, that's what they're talking about part of the awakening too is manifestation is going to become effortless. It's not going to be a, a, a big effort to, to create something. Because you realize that you are all that is. It's already yours. You see mm. what I'm saying? Because once you move beyond separation and you move into oneness, anything that you desire is already you. It's already yours. It's just about moving the energy closer to you. You see? That, that's the consciousness of the sages, of the mystics. They experience that. They feel the trees. They feel the wind. They feel the oneness. So there is no, I need that because that's separate from me. It's just more of like a preference. I prefer to have that, that something closer to me, and you just kind of will it in, but without need, without desperation. It's just a preference. It's very subtle. And, again, that's what we're moving into as a collective. Mm. And, of course, the, the power of our thoughts um, to manifest uh, is just as great for negative thoughts as it is for positive thoughts. Yes, and what my understanding is now, since we moved through that portal of December, um, our thoughts are going to start creating quicker. Like before you can have a thought and you say, okay, I want such and such, and you end up getting it like two years later or three months later, and by that time you've gone through all the doubts and the fears and forgot about it or whatever, and you kind of like nullify it because it takes so much time to manifest. Now it's like you think, I want something, and boom, the next morning it kind of like arrives or you bump into that person that can give it to you or whatever. It's, it's a lot quicker now. Time is kind of condensed. I'm sure most listeners are aware that, you know, a day feels like two hours, you know, before you could wake up in the morning, even 10 years ago, and make a to-do list of 20 things and get them all done and have time to go, you know, play tennis after work. And now, every time you look at your watch, it's 5 o'clock, you know, or whatever. The, the, the time is quickening. But for me, the end result of time quickening brings you again into the present moment because there's no more time. It's like on some level, we've evolved past time. That's why time is, is so um, molding, you know, because if time was actually linear, how could it be that the days now, you know, if, if you can send two emails, you're like, yay, <laughs> you know, and before it was like, you know, a whole different reality, uh, you know, even five years ago. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I was... <laughs> 
Thank you. Experience everybody, the same everybody's thing. experiencing, but nobody wants to talk about it. No. What? Huh? I've been experiencing the same thing. Yeah. Yes. And feeling very inadequate. Um, exactly, and we all do. It's like, what's the matter with me? I used to be so productive, <laughs> you know. But it's it's time, you know. It's 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 the shift that we're going through. Huh. Okay. I remember seeing a YouTube video along those lines that was very funny about a woman who uh, went through her house all day putting things down and looking for them, and then the day disappeared. Yeah. That that that's another thing. I was just reading Wired magazine today about the um, the internet. Um, Barbara Marks Hubbard calls the internet the nervous system of the new humanity, mm-hmm. um, and it is also affecting time somehow. It's also collapsing the interval between. Um, communication and dissemination. Yes. Do you have any views on where things like the Internet and technology might be taking us? Yes, and that goes back to the original question. Uh, One of the questions you said is, what is my vision? And what I'm I'm feeling is that uh, the Internet hasn't really been tapped into in terms of the potential to uplift and evolve humanity. Uh, You know what I'm saying? It's like this ability to be able to film someone who's, who's uh, vibrating at a high frequency and transmit that directly to the viewer in that intimate way has the ability to uplift the viewer. So uh, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the Internet as a tool for, you know, mass kind of upliftment kind of thing. And I really see that um, that's eventually what's going to unfold. It's interesting because Barbara was sharing with me that I believe she she met with Eisenhower or something when she was young, and he said, and she said to him, "How can we use technology to help people or something?" And when I was filming Barbara, I said, "Hey, Barbara, this is how we're going to use technology to help people." And uh, yeah, talking about Barbara again, she told me that when I filmed her ten years prior to me filming her, her higher self had told her that she would be uh, kind of like uh, the voice for humanity. She would be. Uh, kind of like connecting. Oh, they told her she'd be something like connecting with the soul of humanity or something. And she said that she realized that the way that I filmed her, because there was a connection when I filmed her, I was basically looking through the camera at her and we were connecting in this way that I did with all the teachers, soul to soul. And she said, oh my God, this is what my higher self told me 10 years ago that I would be doing. She told me, this is what I realized is my mission, to communicate from my higher self to the higher self of the viewer and in that way uplift the viewer into that their own higher self uh, consciousness, which is where, the, you know, we want to go anyway. So it's interesting how, again, talking about the synchronicity of how we all, you know, meet each other and uh, how um, there are no uh, coincidences and how there's like a grand unfoldment kind of thing. You know, so her higher self basically told her she needs to communicate with humanity in this way. And my higher self told me I need to film the sages in this way. So it's kind of, <laughs> we're all connected, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about this track that we're going to hear. What's it called? It's called Ananda, which means bliss in Sanskrit. And um, it was uh, the singer is called Mitali Bawik, and she's a very well-known uh, Indian uh, singer, a sitar uh, uh, singer, and she's got a beautiful sitar accompaniment. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, what part of the film was this accompanying? Do you recall? Uh, yes, it, it's the background music for Sri Sri Ravi Shankar's uh, piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was a, a really beautiful, beautiful piece. In fact, all of them were. So I, I do. I want to congratulate you on your your vision and uh, the very successful way you brought it out into manifestation. Bravo, Danisa. Thank you so much, Miriam, and thank you, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been a pleasure. So uh, tell us again what your website is. It's www.awakensoultosoul.com. Oh, and we have been speaking with Danisa Perry, the filmmaker uh, and uh, writer and general conceiver of Awaken Soul to Soul, um, I really want to thank you for being with us, Denisa, and um, I look forward to hearing your uh, your next uh, productions. And uh, do let us know when your uh, meditations are going to be online as well. Thank you. Before we close with our track of the week, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, ncreview.com. You'll find there many more interviews along with summaries and reviews for thousands of new consciousness books and films, as well as author profiles, videos, events, and blogs. If you sign up for our newsletter, you'll be included in our weekly drawing for free books and films. The link is right on our homepage, where you'll also find a link to our mobile app so you can listen to our interviews or watch our videos on the go. That's all at ncreview.com. Next week, our guest will be Mark Allen, the owner of New World Library Publishing House. We'll discuss his book, The Magical Path. You know, as Jane Roberts wrote in The Education of Oversoul 7, you know, my dear, the world is magic. So now, as promised, we close with a track from Cave, from the soundtrack to the movie Awaken, sung by Mitali Bomik called Ananda.
That was Ananda, sung by Mitali Bomik from the CD Cave, the soundtrack of the movie Awaken. You can download it from the film's website, awakenthefilm.com. I'd like to remind you that we're on both Twitter and Facebook as NC Review, and that's a great way to keep up to date with all of the new additions to our site. Well, that wraps up our show for today. I do hope you'll join us next week. And don't forget to tell your friends. Help us spread the word. Until then, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. You've been listening to NCR Radio. If you missed any of Miriam's shows, you can find them on demand any day and time on her show page. You can also download podcasts to your iPhone and take these inspiring shows with you wherever and whenever you like. If you have a question or comment for Miriam, you can follow her on Facebook at facebook.com slash ncreview. That's facebook.com slash ncreview. Be sure and join us next week for more passionate and exciting guests on NCR Radio.